You're listening to Festival Grass. A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. No big tents and surprisingly clean toilets. What festivals could look like this summer? Everywhere Arts Festival denied permit on Black Rock Playa. Tomorrowland plans 2022 comeback with a month-long festival. Elon Musk is hosting Burning Man, and it's even better than you can imagine. Kate Nash wants to tackle sexual assault in the festival industry, and she needs your help. But first, are you ready to go back raving? 90% of people say they are. As festivals start to make their return and COVID-19 restrictions start to lighten up, a recent survey has shown that 90% of the population is ready to party again. Well, the UK surely is, because a study by FestTicket over there surveyed 140,000 people, and here's what they had to say. Of the entire total surveyed population, 82% said they would feel confident about attending two or more events this year. We're seeing hefty lineups, and anticipation is definitely building. In the past four months, that number raised to 90% wanting to attend events this year. Moreover, they've stated they would even attend international ones. What's interesting is the majority didn't express anything about vaccinations. In fact, only 7.9% showed interest in that. The most apparent change the public wanted is extra sanitation and hygiene measures implemented. Almost 60% of the population wants this essential function performed. What about cashless systems? Well, Tomorrowland is doing it, and it seems like a good way to cleanly and safely purchase your goods. Here is a quote. It's clear that there has been a shift in perspective in the UK over the past month. Following the Prime Minister's announcement in February, stories of 2021 events selling out have become common. But we wanted to dig a little deeper. Coupling customer opinion with ongoing event partner conversations puts us in a strong position to help the industry bounce back successfully. It's important that the industry works within all government guidance available. Listening to your fans is essential and delivering events they now demand is critical for success. That by Zach Sabin, CEO of Fest Ticket, who conducted this survey. Now that leaves me with a couple of questions. Every time somebody coughs, sneezes, or sniffles at a festival, are you going to do a double take? Are we going to make sure that everyone wears masks? And if they don't, are we going to implore people to do so? Things will be different and social interactions will certainly be different. But the cashless system here is definitely a great idea, as well as contactless entry. Now, the RFID chips have been implemented at a lot of festivals inside. They're woven inside of the wristband, the festival wristband that you get. And I know, of course, the smaller festivals don't have that. They don't pay for that. So... That's maybe something that they may be forced to do in order to create this contactless situation here. The RFID chip that's in the band can both uh, check you in and out of the event grounds, and it can also pay at the food vendors and at the merchant vendors, the clothing vendors, and the craft vendors. So I know I've been to festivals where those systems were new, and they were focused uh, mostly on the food at first, and then um, then they were going to go to the the craft vendors. Um, and then there are festivals that have them throughout. It's it's um, and they've had them for a while. So this is something that is already established. It's a great system. Uh, not handling cash is great for everyone, including well, definitely for food vendors who don't have to touch the dirty money, but also simply for the attendees to not lose. 
uh, their cash is 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 great. I've I've lost countless amount of money just simply because you're at a festival and you're moving around and bouncing around and you know it's really hard to keep things on your body. So uh, that's just the way it goes. Uh, so I I always tried to either stick it in my sock or put it somewhere where it wasn't going to pop out as easily while I was digging for other things like lighters and whatever else I was trying to find inside my my pockets. Now, naturally, at festivals, you know, it's quite warm, so you're not really wearing much anyways. And I never liked carrying a bag around. So that's one of those things where, you know, the, the whatever valuables you have, it's nice if the cash is in your wristband, which doesn't come off very easily. So that's fantastic. So Tomorrowland plans a 2020 comeback with a month-long festival. Call that the mother of all comebacks. Literally, after taking 2020 off and a potentially delayed return in 2021, Tomorrowland is ready to make up for lost time in 2022. The festival announced plans to host a month-long Tomorrowland festival. It would start on a Friday, so that would be July 1st, until closing on a Sunday, July 31st. The festival aims to feature a set by every single DJ on the DJ Mag Top 200 list, in addition to a few relevant pop stars with no DJ experience. Reports say that Little Nas X is rumored to be headlining one of the stages. The festival will also feature Eric Pridd's Holosphere every weekend, and there is something even better in the works. That being legendary DJ Solomon will be performing a world record attempt by performing a DJ set for the entire duration of the month. To make this happen, Tomorrowland will build a special stage for Solomon, complete with mini kitchen, bathroom, and a bed light right up on the stage for him to tend to all of his survival needs during this incredible feat. Tickets will be sold in weekend packages, week packages, and you can even buy a pass that grants you residency in the land of tomorrow for an entire month. By then, Tomorrowland hopes everyone will have released all of their pent up frustrations from two years without festivals. A quote, the process to get my body ready for Tomorrowland 2022 has already begun in the form of me doing no further gigs until then, says DJ Solomon. Tickets are rumored to go live exactly a year from now on April 1st, 2022 on the festival's website. April Fools! <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I wish they were going to do a month-long festival. Sadly, this is a joke. You know what's really funny, though? When I was aggregating the content for this podcast, my eye was catching these headlines, okay? And, I, I, man, there were so many good headlines that I thought were actually true. And they grabbed my attention, and I read the article. And then, of course, at the end, it said April Fool's, and I got totally fooled. So you may be hearing this late. We may be past April Fool's. But I think it's always fun to be caught up in something that then you realize uh, was like, oh, dope. Bummer. That was a fool's joke. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed that one. Elon Musk is hosting Burning Man, and it's even better than you can imagine. So the world's richest man and infamous space fanatic, Silicon Valley visionaire, father of six boys and boyfriend to musician Grimes, is planning a massive project. He wants to host the 2025 edition of Burning Man from August 30th to September 6th. Yep, you heard that right. There will be a Black Rock City once again, but not in the Nevada desert. The extravagant gathering, which has become something way bigger and bolder than your typical annual music festival, is going to take place on the Red Planet. Yes, you heard it, Mars. Now, the average distance between Earth and Mars is 140 miles, 
or 225 million kilometers. Well, how are all the burners, which in 2019 was a population of 78,850, going to get there, one might ask? Well, easy. See, the charming CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk, has promised to single-handedly take all attendees from Earth using the latest SpaceX technology. Seems like we might be enjoying a sweet ride in the face of Starship, a 390-foot-tall launch vehicle that is designed to enter Mars's atmosphere at a speed of 7.5 kilometers per second. The festival ticket will include the round-trip spaceflight, and according to unofficial information, ticket prices will be starting at 90,000 United States dollars. Given that some Burning Man goers have reportedly paid $25,000 per person for a membership at certain camps during the Burning Man Festival, it seems like this price is really not that far-fetched. That previous amount of $25,000 apparently included personal segues and fresh sushi that was flown in on a daily basis, which sounds nice but also kind of unnecessary for the occasion on the playa. As a regular himself, Musk has previously stated that Burning Man is a lot like Silicon Valley. It's a space where art and technology collide, where the makers of tomorrow get together and are driven by the same values of co-creation, experimentation, innovation, and more. This is why the South African-born entrepreneur is taking things to the next level and will be hosting the iconic Burning Man in four years on Mars. He is dedicated to giving all burners a truly life-changing experience, especially after the 2020 edition of the festival had to get cancelled because of the ongoing pandemic. Not only is Mr. Musk excited to co-organize the event and bring together its entire community, but the endeavor is also an important part of his bigger Mars and Beyond project. Mars and Beyond is SpaceX's mission to make humans a multi-planetary species. It's very inspiring to observe the way art, technology, and business are merging in unique and unexpected ways that continue to challenge the status quo while building the future of mankind. We honestly cannot wait for this. We will see you on Mars. April Fools! <laughs> Did I get you this time? Did I get you this time? Did I get you this time? Okay, that was an awesome article. And honestly, guys, there was a few of them that I got fooled on. And then I started uh, catching on to subsequent ones when they sounded like they were a bit too far-fetched. But this one actually, you know what? I think it could be possible. And I, I honestly believe that Elon probably has thought this out. He wants to go to Mars. He wants to be the first person to go to Mars. But it will take a while to colonize it in a way that you could then coordinate a festival on it. However, in 20 or 30 years, I think this is entirely possible. He may still be alive at that stage, and he may actually throw a Burning Man on the planet Mars. Now, I don't know who would pay for this ticket. Definitely not the entire populace of traditional Burning Man gatherings in the Nevada desert. It seems quite extravagant. However, those who do go to Burning Man are quite wealthy, most of them, some of them, at least, you know, a majority of them at, at this point in, in the, the life cycle of Burning Man. So they'll probably be able to, you know, the Silicon Valleyers, they'll probably be able to afford it. Nevertheless, I think that's fascinating in, in terms of just in an idea that could be had, just like the previous article where DJ Solomon was going to play for an entire month. That was the one key concept I really loved about that whole article. I mean, just imagine somebody, a DJ, wanting to play for an entire month. Like, I, I don't know what the rules would be. I imagine that you could be allowed to pre-record some sections and then play those while you slept and then get up and just sort of start mixing. Now, 
I would think if you were to ask me, like, what would be the qualifying month-long uninterrupted DJ record? It would need to be seamless in terms of like never ending. You know, we can excuse a few mishaps here and there, maybe not total train wrecks, but certainly not, you know, dead air. So it would have to continue. So he'd have to mix out of his live mix into a pre-recorded mix, go to bed, wake up right on time as that mix was sort of ending, and then continue his live set right out of it. So there would be no interruption in the, in the music. Now, I think that would be quite something, especially if it was recorded, because to watch that back, imagine that is 30 days times 24. That is a lot of hours. That is over 600 hours right there. So that is quite something. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to our deep dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. So Everyone Arts Festival is denied a permit on Black Rock Playa. Now we covered this story a while back, they did have an event last year in the Playa Desert. Now, everyone is, I guess you could call it a wannabe alternative to Burning Man. And earlier this month, the Bureau of Land Management denied their organizers uh, the festival permit to hold the inaugural event at Black Rock Desert this coming summer. So this is, they were trying to do it properly this time and they got denied. Everyone organizers, though, said their month-long efforts to obtain a permit for the Black Rock Desert were ultimately fruitless because the BLM favored the long-established Burning Man project. Quote, with Burning Man being as large as it is, the plan is written so that they consume most of the available resources, leaving little available for other events to take place on the playa, said Everyone co-founder Matthew Gilbuena in an email to the Reno Gazette Journal. Gilbuena said organizers of the small festival still plan to move forward with an event and are scoping out a new location. Now, Burning Man, an arts festival after which everyone partially modeled itself, has been held in Black Rock Desert since 1990 and has reached about 80,000 in attendance in recent years. Now, because of the Bureau of Land Management's denial of everyone's permit application, the organizers are adjusting their plans to host a much smaller event in another as-of-yet undetermined location. Quote, for many, it's either an event on the playa or not at all, said Everyone co-founder Matthew Gilabuena. In their permit application, Everyone organizers proposed a 25,000-person, eight-day event held from July 25th to August 2nd. Everyone registered as a Nevada nonprofit but enlisting volunteers from around the country would encourage participants to bring art on site. The art was not to be burned but rather repurposed or recycled afterwards. Tickets went on sale in early March for more than $200, but those tickets have since been refunded. Quote, I really wish I understood what happened on the BLM side, said Gilbuena, who said officials' tones changed entirely earlier this month. Everything was good to go. We had a team of 170, many with decades of experience throwing playa events. We knew what we were doing. It's a darn shame. Everyone organizers were inspired to host a festival after a more organic gathering took place on the playa last year in the absence of Burning Man. So whether or not Burning Man took place this year, Gilbuena and his colleagues figured they could continue the spirit of their more loosely organized 2020 event. They had been working with the BLM since fall 2020 to create plans for a viable event, according to the emails obtained. But the Bureau of Land Management ultimately decided to cater to Burning Man's needs rather than balance two separate events, Gilbuena said. The BLM was initially willing to staff eight law enforcement officers at the Everyone event, 
but then rescinded its offer and later said the agency did not have the ample resources to staff everyone, according to Gilbuena. On Thursday, BLM officials said in an email that the permit application was denied for multiple reasons, including but not limited to staffing limitations and the need for an environmental analysis. Of course, everyone is entitled to apply again, said BLM. Despite the lost option of the Black Rock Desert Playa, everyone organizers are still scoping out other locations, including one which is near to Reno. The hope is that the event will eventually move to the Black Rock Desert, but Gilbuena expects it to take two or three years before that happens. We've learned a lesson on the accessibility of our public lands to coordinated groups, said Gilbuena. We just don't know what happened in the Black Channels. Now, I think he's suggesting in there that perhaps there was some competitive spirit there from from the Burning Man project, which denied their applications because it did sound like they had an in, that they were getting some favorable responses from BLM. And then once Burning Man figured out what was happening, they said, nah, not on our desert. And to be honest, it's their brand. You know, when you think of the Black Rock City Playa or the Black Rock Desert Playa, you do think of Burning Man. And so to have a competitive event blossom, I mean... I'm for it. I think this is great. I think there should be a pre-event, uh, maybe earlier in the summer, to Burning Man. Something to bring back the old feeling, the smaller feeling, the old feeling of the Burning Man of yesteryear. I think, um, I mean, I think that could add a lot of value. It would be less expensive as well for a lot of people. I mean, just over $200, that's nothing compared to the minimum of 1000 to up to whatever you're willing to pay for a ticket because it's essentially a lottery. And, you know, you're either buying it secondhand or you're lucky enough to have been registered and be able to purchase it early. But the least amount you'll ever spend is around $800 on average. Now, of course, it is a seven-day event, and this one would be an eight-day event. But for $200, an eight-day event is fantastic. I personally am really sad that this festival will not be happening, at least not in the Black Rock Desert. But I do think in the future, it would be a great idea to have this. I also think that Burning Man, it's in their best interest to allow it. I know that there may be some serious competitiveness here and maybe they don't want to tarnish their, maybe there's there's just reasoning in there. They have worked hard, of course, to make sure that, you know, identifiable landmarks such as the Black Rock Desert Playa are associated with Burning Man. So I can't really fault them for that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Drop us a message if you like. Link is in the show notes. Would you like to be on the show if you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered? Please click or forward the guest sign up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Okay, so it still feels unimaginable, but all going well. Festivals are supposed to return everywhere in the world this year, and especially in the UK. There's a lot of reports in the UK, and of course, I read a lot of articles based around there because, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of festivals all over, but uh, they get covered a lot in the UK. There's a lot of hype and a lot of reporting. And I think it gives us a guideline as to what could be happening everywhere. So that's why, you know, sometimes it might be these articles may be location based, but they really can be extrapolated and, app- and applied to locales near you. So whenever you hear us talking about things to do with festivals, 
Uh, all of this can be applied to your local festival. Just reach out to them and find out what's happening. But this will give you an idea of what to expect. How are festivals going to look different this summer? Uh, we've covered a little bit of this, but here we're going to go through a few things that you can expect. So regular festivals without social distancing measures will only be able to take place if the government's planned tests, events, and relaxations of guidelines go to plan. And this is world over, of course. So are festival organizers simply hugely optimistic or starking rave bonkers for expecting something to happen this summer that resembles anything like the pre-COVID years? Well, whatever the outcome, planning for this year's festival season is definitely well underway and events have had to make some very big decisions in order to make things as safe as possible. Now, here are some of the ways that these events will look and feel different this year. Now, the ubiquitous big top tents will probably be a thing of the past. In the interest of keeping people in aerated spaces, enclosed tents at festivals are likely to be avoided at most major events. We no longer have big tops, said organizer Anna Wade of Boomtown Festival. We thought, what could we do to make things more COVID-free? Getting rid of large tented big top spaces where they have quite large capacity felt like a good solid step, so you're not having hundreds of people in a not easily ventilated space, she said. Greg Wells, a co-founder of the Bigfoot Festival, is going a step further, advising they'll have social distancing within the tents as their festival takes place in the late stages of restrictions on June 18th, just days before most measures are due to lift on June 21st in the UK. He says in the tents, they will have benches laid out and the rule of six feet will be applied. He'll also keep the sides of the tent open to create circulation and all music will be outdoors and not inside the tent. So really, it's more of like a shelter area from the sun. I think that's a great idea. Anything you can do to make things a lot safer, that is fantastic. Um, so open, open-sided tents are the way to go. That you, won't, you won't see many enclosed spaces at festivals in the coming season. So another difference is despite the virus, festivals will do the best to give attendees the sense of escapism. So many festivals have themes every year, and this year they'll attempt to help people feel far removed from the monotony of lockdown living. Last year, the theme of our show was relating to a virus that had mutated, said Anna from Boomtown Festival, noticing the irony. There were certain heavier undertones to it, which we identified isn't what people need when they're trying to escape what we've been through. When we relaunched the festival in October, we made our story about going back to the root of what festivals are about and the reason they're so important in society. If we are going ahead this year, we wanted the storyline to be the experience itself. So it's all framed around that jubilation we all feel when we're able to reconnect with friends and family and loved ones. Festivals are one of the few places where the community comes together on such a scale in a positive environment. I think those things are increasingly important. That has only been exacerbated for a year and a half. So we're desperate to bring people together to think about food, drink, breaking bread, conviviality, sharing stories, and seeing each other potentially for the first time. I think that what people are really looking forward to is being outside with their pals and having a drink, listening to some music. It's the purpose of life. It's the fun stuff. That's what we want to get back to, said Greg from Bigfoot Festival. And I think that is spot on. Festivals are a form of escapism. They allow us to take a break from daily life and to get out there and just enjoy the things that make us the happiest 
and be around the people that make us the happiest and have some adventure, have a little bit of spark in our life and get away from the mundaneness of, of routines. So I think this is great to incorporate that into the themes, not talking about anything to do with COVID. Obviously, you can't truly escape the pandemic, which is our next topic. This is how festivals will look different this year. Clearly, there will be signs that you can't escape from the pandemic. However, the theme is spun because you will have to expect a variety of COVID compliances when you get onto the festival sites. Signage about respecting distancing and cues, as well as plexiglass screens, staff tents, longer changeovers between bands and markings and signs at stages could all be possibilities. The things we're looking at that we have control over are things like additional hygiene measures, so having cold showers in every campsite, which we've never usually had, contactless payment systems across the whole site, additional sanitation measures, lateral flow testing, vaccine passports, all those things are on my radar, said Anna from Boomtown Festival. While she says the festival, which takes place in July, will be encouraging social distancing where we can, she's also realistic when she says festivals like hers cannot run with full distancing measures. At headline sets, for example, people aren't going to do it. As much as we might encourage them to, we could even put stamps on the floor. I just don't believe people are going to want to do it because they just want to get up close and they want to be in the atmosphere. And that's all part of the wonder at being at a musical event, she said. Now she's talking about wanting to rush the stage when the band comes on uh, and, and create a bit of a mosh pit. Even if it's not a mosh pit, people do tend to gather quite close at the front. And naturally, even if you tell them not to and you put markings on the floor, that is going to be ignored. It's also expected to remind people to stay vigilant. Signs will say, remember hands, face, space, but we'll paint it, she says. It won't be printed pictures. It'll be hand-painted in bright colors with that Nos talk, said Ella. Yes, it's a little different, but you'll still feel like you've come to forget your troubles for the weekend. So that's great. I think that is fantastic in terms of, you know, Doing what you can to keep reminding people that we are still in a pandemic and we're, we're a lot, you know, festivals are there to be enjoyed, uh, but that everyone has their responsibility to just be careful about not creating a super spreader event. Now, obviously, I think, uh, you know, festivals are going to try to only admit people that have tested negative and also potentially have been vaccinated. We are going to probably talk about vaccine passports quite a bit. I know they're a bit of a contentious issue. The next thing is expect more relaxation and chill out zones. So at big festivals like Boomtown, where the megawatt crowds are part of the experience, this year it's essential to create zones where people who may feel overwhelmed can go take a break, said Anna from the festival. We're going to have campsite hubs with talks and acoustic music and spoken word and nice cafes and much more spaces where you can relax and have a relaxing experience, she said. The purpose of that, of course, is that it's nice for people to be able to step away from the hustle and bustle. So that's very cool. Spaces are always lovely to have, timeout spaces, and that just helps people stay apart if they need to and not be crowded. So that is another good idea. Now, the festival toilet situation. Now, this is something very, very important because uh, hygiene is going to be paramount. So this is encouraging news that the festivals are going to be ordering more porta potties and do more cleaning to help with the hygiene. In a quote here, there's shipping containers of hand sanitizer, said Greg from Bigfoot, and all ratios of hand sanitizing toilets, clean down procedures, all of that are being multiplied by a lot. We've all been in situations where 
We've been disgusted by the state of the porta potties. They do get quite used at certain times of the festival. I I love the idea of having, you know, the porta potties cleaned maybe three or four times a day instead of once. And the last note we have here is that, of course, uh, the pandemic has proven that anything can happen. If festivals can't go ahead this summer, then the landscape for next year is going to look very different. And there's a lot of festivals that won't be able to come back from that, warns Ella of the damage caused to the industry if a second festival season is canceled. This is probably the saddest of all the repercussions of the festival season are the festivals that will never make it back, unfortunately, because they've gone bankrupt or they just can't raise enough capital to make another push for a festival. So that's quite sad. So we will either see new festivals popping up where there's a renewed vigor, smaller ones. I think that could be great um, to have a burgeoning of smaller sort of homegrown festivals where people don't have to travel and everything's localized. Great way to discover local talent and give them an opportunity to entertain. So I think those are all positives. But there are festivals that have been around a while that may suffer if another event is canceled this year and they may not have the resources to come back in 2022. That is quite sad. However, the festivals that do come back in 2022 will have the ability to draw those resources of the attendees that weren't able to spread money around to other festivals. So there is positives everywhere and there's sadness everywhere as well. Kay Nash wants to tackle sexual assault in the festival industry and she said she needs your help. She believes that part of the problem stems from festival lineups that are lacking in gender diversity. On March 29th, the singer shared a post on Twitter that encouraged her fans to reach out and share their stories of negative experiences at festivals. Her caption read, Festival lineups that purposely lack diversity and exclude non-male acts create unwelcoming and potentially unsafe environments for attendees. I'm building a platform to tackle sexual abuse and assault in my industry, and I need your help. The post that Nash shared outlines a platform that she's created called The Safety Chain. Through collecting the experiences of festival goers, Nash hopes to draw attention to the problem caused by non-inclusive lineups and speak to festival organizers in order to campaign for change. Additional tweets encourage her followers to reach out to her with a caption that reads, please email me your negative experience at festivals related to these issues. Sexism, racism, hate, violence, sexual abuse, assault, and rape. Anything you are comfortable sharing will be kept anonymous and used as data for research. She also adds, music industry, I'm coming for you, hashtag change the scene, and also please email thesafetychain2020 at gmail.com with your unsafe music festival experiences. So I think this is great for Kate Nash to do. I think there's a lot of talent that is making their voice heard in this case. I know on the last podcast, we covered a different perspective, which said that gender diversity in the lineup was not really the problem. Well, it is a problem, but it's not the problem that's ultimately going to fix the issue of violence towards women and misogyny towards women and non-gender conforming people. And so what they were trying to say was that top down has to be changed. The people in charge are the ones that are perpetuating this culture. And yes, they're probably the ones who also choose the lineup. Those are the people that need to be ousted. There has to be more of a committee, a balanced committee that makes decisions. 
And of course, in the music industry, that's quite hard. There is a network, there is an architecture that's been developed over decades, and that's going to be quite hard to shake through. So it does have to start and speaking up is definitely a good way to begin. I think sharing stories is very important. I definitely a vulnerability for most to share things that have happened to them or to call out others. Uh, I, but I think it's important to do because it allows us to gain an insight into the pain that's being caused to some people. We might be completely oblivious to it. I've been to many festivals where my personal experience was absolutely stellar. I felt like I was living in an absolute dream, in a fantasy. I could not have been happier with my experience from the beginning to the very end. So for me to be able to hear stories uh, that this does happen at festivals gives me the well-rounded viewpoints that I need. My experience is not the macrocosm of everyone else's experience. And I can't look at a festival in that way if I know that at the same time someone had a terrible experience because it happened at the very same place at the very same time where I was also enjoying myself. So I, I want to be more broad-minded about this. I love I, I love I want to hear stories like this because it's going to shape my perspective and it's also going to make me able to help more and be involved more because I'm going to be looking deeper to see evidences of transgressions. Now I'm obviously not going to be out there policing and I don't think anyone should necessarily but if you did have an opportunity to say something and do something in order to change the culture that is important and I think this is what Kate is trying to do she's trying to elicit some of the stories that will change our minds and wake us up to the fact that this happens and it does ruin lives and finally in a bit of a festival roundup news which we will include at the end of every episode. Here are some individual festival headlines. Shambhala Music Festival postponed to 2022 due to uncertainty of COVID-19. The statement shared by organizers cited too many unknowns right now. Ticket holders may redeem their passes across Shambhala 2022, 2023, or 2024 events. And prospective attendees and lodgers were told to expect to receive an email in the coming months to register for the event they'd like to attend. That does sound like they're not offering refunds, that you can push your ticket to a future event, but that there isn't any refund being offered here. So that might be something that if you do hold a ticket, you may want to take up with the festival. Electric Forest is now looking for dates in August. They've recently announced that they're postponing their dates this year. They are traditionally at the end of July, and it looks like they're moving their dates to sometime in August. Sonic Bloom in Colorado will not go forward this year, unfortunately. All tickets purchased for the 2020 or 2021 festival dates are still automatically valid for the new 2022 festival dates of June 16th to 19th, and the music lineup will remain much the same as it was when originally booked in 2020. And again, there's no mention of refunds, just that you can push your ticket to a future date being in 2022. So that's two years missed of that festival, much like Shambhala above that we mentioned. Now, they do have a streaming Bloom Live portion of the Sonic Bloom Academy, which includes a curated series of festival workshop content from presenters of past Sonic Blooms, as well as a series of weekly live webinars. So definitely check that out. Participation in this virtual series is a great way to learn and connect with the festival community from the comfort of your own home. 
So check that out. That is Streaming Bloom from Sonic Bloom Festival in Colorado there. Now, in that, now Imagine Music Festival is going forward. They just unveiled their lineup for 2021. And it looks like their events will stay as scheduled at the Georgia's Book Art Farm during the weekend of September 17th to 19th of this fall in 2021. Now, Imagine Festival is one of my favorite rave festivals. It is in Atlanta. Um, it's a lot of fun. And if you're down in that area, definitely check that out. They are they put on a great show. And finally, Tomorrowland Winter 2022 dates are here. It will return next year in Alpe d'Huez, France, March 19th to 26th. So for those hoping to attend next year's event, pre-registration pre has already begun. So get on top of that. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector, so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.